Welcome to Managing Marketing and today I am sitting down with Anita Zanesco who's a senior consultant here at Trinity P3 but also someone that's got a quite colourful career in account management in agencies. So welcome Anita. Thank you Darren. I say colourful because you were the B&T account management person under 30. I was. For Brisbane, wasn't it? No, I was oh, in Melbourne at the time. It Melbourne. was for Australia. Yes, I was working in Melbourne at the time. The Fantastic. lovely Jeff Ingle convinced me to do that one. Now, you, you would have noticed I called it account management, not account service. What's Correct. your opinion? Oh, definitely account management. Yeah, it's, it's about managing pieces of business, not serving clients as far as I'm concerned. And what do you think is the uh, the measure of a good account management person? Because you know, I've I had fifteen years in advertising, and I'd probably count on one hand the really good account management people. Um, I think the measure of a good account manager is a person who has got quite a lot of good business knowledge. Um, is quite strategic. Going back in the day, we're talking you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, planning didn't actually exist as a discipline or there was sort of one planner in, in an agency of 500 people. And so account managers were expected to be quite strategic and to run the business strategy as well as the sort of execution of any um, creative ideas. Um, I think a good account manager, apart from sort of having good business and strategic um, sense, uh, also has to be quite um, has to be a people person um, I think the really good account managers I've come across tend to have quite high EQ as well as IQ and uh, they can work very well with both staff internally and their own clients um, a good account manager certainly in an advertising sense or in a creative sense has to um, be quite a good judge of creativity and look at how a, a creative idea or a campaign idea and an execution uh, can actually ladder up to a business strategy and what kind of results that could potentially um, get a client. Um, I think good account managers also have to be very good at um, listening, listening to clients, but also listening to their team around them. They have to be good as they get more senior, they also have to be very, very good at nurturing younger um, team members. And I think that's something I've seen uh, recently is I don't see enough of that. I don't see enough of sort of um, senior account managers nurturing junior account managers and, um, and sort of helping them understand their role in the organisation. Because it was the tradition, wasn't it, that many account management people would start out with, you know, sort of junior, you know, the, the old mailroom job or yep. the, uh, you know, the coordinator role and that you would actually be mentored yes. as you move through you were trained. the ranks. Yeah. yeah, you were actually physically trained. You were sent on training courses. There was a lot more rigour in terms of uh, process and the way that things worked and... And I think there were, oh, I don't know, it felt like there were, there were potentially more opportunities um, for account managers, largely due to the fact that there wasn't a huge planning department. You see some agencies these days and their planning departments are massive. So with, with, if, if you've got a planner that's 100% on a piece of business, 
unfortunately, what seems to be happening is the account manager is relegated to more of a sales role and more, as you said, a service role as opposed mm. to a management role. Um, and they can get away with it. Because yeah, they, and this is the term, the empty suit or the yes, bag carrier. Or, yes. Because, you know, their strategic input is taken away. So what, what's left? You know, yeah. Uh, whining and dining the client. Well, you know, if you mm. do that, the client starts There's not even the budgets to do yeah. that these days. Yeah. It's, no, it, it doesn't. I just think the joy of it is actually um, working with clients on their business challenges and the, and the issues that they face and actually then... Uh, working through a process whereby you get to a um, solution mm. um, that can actually help sort of meet some of those challenges and opportunities. And that's really the difference between management and service because service yep. by, by the very word implies giving the client what they ask for. Yes. Whereas management is about managing all of the resources available to you, not just within your agency but within the client's business and within the other agencies you work with. Yeah. I mean, really good account management people almost have a, you know, sort of charisma or, you know, an ability to uh, get people to align and work together, don't they? Totally, totally. And I think one of the key things I probably forgot to mention when we were talking about what makes a good account manager is uh, the ability to say no. Actually, the ability to push back and to stand up when a client asks for something and either say, actually, I can't answer that right now, I'll get back to you, or just say, no, that's actually impossible for us to give you a new idea by tomorrow. And what I see and hear all the time in the relationship surveys we do and the workshops that we run is that agencies, that, that account service people tend to say yes to clients uh, because it's not actually their problem. They go back to the agency and it becomes someone else's problem to deliver it overnight. I wonder if it's also because part of the remuneration model is now encouraging them to say yes to as much as possible. Because, you know, one of the things you do see is that the more work the agency does, the more money they get paid, supposedly, mm. so that, you know, you're increasing your revenue for the agency, if not necessarily your profit. Yeah, I think you can still say yes to a job. I think it's more about how that job gets done then. Mm. You know, a, a client can ask for something, but the role of a good account manager is to then manage how that job gets delivered. And I think if you look long-term rather than short-term, what that ends up resulting in is a much better relationship because an agency can then possibly deliver the best work possible mm. to, you know, given a, a, a given brief. Now, one of the things we both have to acknowledge before we keep going on this path is that most of our work, especially with pitches, running pitches, is because the relationship is either irretrievably broken down or the client has significant issues around an agency. So we probably see the worst of client-agency relationships there. And even with relationship management, just the process of asking the questions is inclined to bring problems to the surface. So, you know, we probably do see the sort of deeper, murkier end of client-agency relationships rather than the... The ones light, that are all swimming along nicely. Yeah. yeah light and shiny and yes. happy and, you know, productive. Yeah. And we do, when we do, um, like, the strategic, strategic alignment work and you, we sort of interview agencies that are in good relationships with their clients, we do hear a lot of that good stuff coming through as to why the relationship is still strong, uh, what's working, um, and, and very often it does come down to 
uh, strong account management that keeps that relationship going because a really good account manager will resolve a conflict before it becomes a real issue. So if there's an issue with another person working on the business, a really good account manager will spot it, speak to the client about it and, um, and be able to resolve the issue internally. Mm. Uh, which is really, really important. It's that relationship with the client and being able to say, look, you don't you don't seem like you're really happy at the moment. Is everything going okay? It's not a hard thing to ask. It's the same as any other kind of relationship that you manage as a human being. So um, a good account manager will spot that if it's sort of like, oh, doesn't feel right, doesn't, yeah. doesn't feel as positive as it should be, and they'll actually do something about it. And I think that sort of from a client's point of view, um, the agency gets a lot of respect when that happens. Or when a good account manager knows when to elevate it up the up the chain, and speak to their managing director or CEO and say, I actually think you need to put in a call. This yeah. isn't going great. Because it, it's one of those things. If you're always saying yes to your client, you know how high to yeah. jump or oh. um, you, you really end up just being part of the furniture. Oh, totally. Because and you're just there to say yes. Yes, and it it certainly doesn't help uh, relationships internally in the agency either. Because yes, people come back, and that that's a real problem. Well, that was one of the things I hated as a creative. I bet. In fact, I had a uh, account manager once come back to me and say, oh, "Look, the client really loved the uh, the press campaign. <laughs> they just want to look at the headline, and if we could do something with the visual, and maybe the copy." <laughs> and then, well, I said, "Were they happy with the copy?" Well, let's get that to that later. And I'm like. So really, they right. didn't like it. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to make sure that yeah, and, and it's like yeah, just tell it to me straight. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big grown up adult. Yeah, you know, not a child. I but don't... again, then I think the flip side is then actually because what we see on the flip side a lot is clients who are too afraid to tell the truth as well, and the clients will go, yeah, well. We, you can work on this headline if you if you think it's got potential, but I don't really like it the way it is at the moment. And this visual, I can see where you're going. And they tiptoe around it rather than saying, you know what, I don't even know why I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't think it's going to work. Can you go back to the drawing board? But often clients aren't that transparent. So you have this whole murky water thing going on mm. and it makes it really difficult. So I think a good account manager that can immediately put their clients at ease and say this is a completely open and transparent relationship, you need to be really honest and upfront with us, we will be honest and upfront with you and the relationship will, will move forward. And I think those kind of relationships are outstanding when they actually happen. So do you think part of it is, you you touched on it before, that not only inside agencies there's not that mentoring, but perhaps inside client organisations there's not the mentoring that used to happen. So that often you'll find middle level, you know, uh, brand managers that are trying to make decisions that that sometimes they feel completely out of their depth. Yeah, I think we we do see that and and that comes through um, often one of the sort of favourite sort of statements in the evaluating relationship survey that we do is... um, uh, knowledgeable and informed teams. It's all around, you know, that the experience of the team, and that does come out from the client. And certainly, that um, brand, it's it's almost like people have either been promoted too early, or they've stepped into positions from other departments. And there's a real lack of understanding of the Marcom's process and the role of an advertising or media or PR agency, um, and, and and what their expectations are. And um, so, yes, that mentoring is not happening um, internally from the client side either. 
Because there used to be a thing about, especially creative agencies, there was a mystique about the creative process and Mm. about what agencies did, which seems, from my perspective, to have turned into a mistrust now. You know, that it's almost like what used to be a mystique has been replaced by, well, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on there and can I really trust that? And so if you're already insecure or unsure or or not had the experience about how to work with a creative agency, you would then start to, you know, be concerned about that. Yeah, and I think there's there's probably not as much time being taken with inductions. So there used to be a lot of time being put into inductions where clients would spend some time at the agency to, to sort of try and understand why it takes a week to do something. Because anyone outside of the industry, that, you know, well, who's to say it doesn't take a day to mm. come up with a creative idea? I mean, it can happen in a day. We all know that, but it's very unlikely. Well, not if you're being paid by the hour. It should take as long as possible. Yeah. Shouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, if, if you know, I, I once came up with an idea in a meeting and got berated by the account director because he could only charge for the hour. Hold it back, the hold it back. <laughs> Shut up. We could have gone away, spent two weeks, you know, sitting around yeah, yeah. and charged for two weeks' worth. Yeah, but I think it goes back to, again, the other thing that's exactly exacerbating that though is account managers that say yes so what happens is client needs something account manager says yes goes back to the agency creative scream shout throw things at the wall go home that night work through till four o'clock in the morning actually do come up with something go back to the client the next day and the client goes well what was the, you know great yeah good so Do it all time, the time yes <laughs> so this ends up happening all the time and that kind of behavior then of course there's never any respect that uh agency would need more than a couple of days to turn something around yeah. why should it why should there be three weeks to come up with a multi-million dollar campaign concept it becomes the new expectation it does because you meet the client's yep. expectations yep. rather than it's just bad hold, process yeah you know. okay so i mean in that there is this whole thing about agile marketing and and marketers somehow wanting the agency and the creative process to be part of that agile process you know where you have your stand-up meeting at every morning at nine o'clock for 30 minutes and the ideas are thrown out on the table and and then everyone runs off to do the work during the day and come back the next day how do you think agencies are able to adapt to that look i think they can and I, i think certainly um involving clients more rather than doing what we used to do and hold off for three weeks and then have an all singing all dancing presentation um, I think just it, just the channels alone that we're using to communicate these days doesn't really permit that anymore. So I think certainly agencies becoming more agile as in having more frequent meetings and involving the client and even just doing, you know, ad hoc kind of, look, we've got a few ideas we want to share, but we can probably do it via conference call because it's all sort of strategic territory stuff we'll, we'll send you. I think certainly being a bit more flexible like that, um, agencies can certainly adapt. But on the flip side... It's not a, a, a rational process. It's not a. It, it's it, it's something that has to evolve. The creative process. It's it's art. Yeah, and, and it also I requires a huge level of trust. Totally. Because for creative people to throw ideas out on the table in a oh. meeting, you know, it's hard That's enough their when there's teams together or group, yeah. you know, creative groups. You know, they really need to build a level of trust. Yeah, there to is. do that in a open meeting with a client. Yeah, is and and to do it regular like every couple of days mm. when you're working through stuff yourself it, it's actually it's a waste of everyone's time actually because what will happen is as a as the creative process evolves 
things are thrown out along the way, things are tested internally. And that's where a, a client just needs to actually have trust in the agency going through their process that at the end of the day, they will get the best result. And I think as long as timings are up front um, and, and a client's expectations are managed, then it will result. I also think there's a, um, a problem with creative literacy amongst sometimes account management, but also especially amongst marketers. And what I mean by that is last century when I worked in creative agencies. Me I too. I like saying that. Yeah. Um, it, that, you know, literally you could be at lunch as a creative team and come up with an idea and do the idea on the on back a, of a oh, napkin, right? Of course. I mean, Didn't everyone do that? No, no, but it would happen. Yeah, or, that, you know, it you did. have a notebook, They right? were very long lunches, Dad. And, and then you come back into the agency and the art director would, in the terms that we used, wrist it up. Yep. Like literally Bit get a, a marker yep. and and draw it up with stick figures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you could review that, right, internally. Mm-hmm. But now it's like you can't, and even show the client yep. that, that wristed up idea. Yep. Yep. Now it's like, oh, it's got to go into the studio and it's got to have fo- photography, you know, um, pulled down from photo libraries and typeset before the client can even see it mm-hmm. because they cannot read a layout. They cannot read a very simple expression of creativity. Mm, do I agree with that? Um, I ran a pitch really recently and the winning agency, that's exactly how they presented their work, as scamped up drawings. Mm. It allowed for... The, it really did allow them to bring to life what they were trying to communicate. They were quite simple ideas. They did it via scamps and, and you know, hand handwritten headlines, um, you know, scribble for copy. Um, and it the client the, the client came on board and, and this was a pitch scenario. We had three agencies. Some agencies did the full on beautiful studio, amazing visuals, would have taken Which hours. Is hours, hours. Hours of and a lot of money. You know, beautiful work. Um, but the fact is the ideas weren't as strong. So the agency that won, it was a it was a really straightforward, um, successful pitch in that their ideas were the strongest, the chemistry was the strongest, and actually at the end of the day, the fact they had actually scamped it up worked in their favour because if they hadn't scamped it up and if they tried to put it into studio, it would have been too finished and the idea may have fell, fallen flat. Look, I agree. I think you know, hand-rendered uh, layouts allows for a level of personal interpretation. Yep. As to, but you still get the idea. The more yeah. final it makes it, and I wonder if maybe it's because agencies are not as confident in the idea, yeah, so they're trying to make it as finished as possible. Having said that, we're, we've just done a project with a large uh, financial service company, and you know one of the things they've demanded is that all ideas need to be actually comprehensively mocked up in studio. Are they paying the, for that? Well, and this is the problem, is that because they need, the marketers need to be able to present it internally to non-marketing people. And so, you know, we pointed out the costs associated with that. Yep. And they're unsure whether they should pay it or not. Now, our point of view is they should absolutely pay it. If you can't use mock-ups oh sorry uh, scamps drawings um then you should pay for the mock-ups but But that goes back to your point about creative literacy and it's probably not 
clients aren't as literate as they should be in terms of actually understanding and interpreting creative mm. ideas and understanding the difference between an idea and an execution. So by all means, look at an idea as a scam and then if it helps, show executionally the style mm. that it will appear in. Because a uh, great story I was told about the, a pitch for the British Army and they, uh, were, they were doing press and they had all of the uh, press ads all mocked up around the room and the general who was part of the decision-making process said to the, and they were the successful agency and uh, he said, I particularly like this campaign, especially how you've proposed using Latin in the body copy. <laughs> Because they'd used lorem ipsum uh, to set the copy in the land. Awesome. <laughs> so I thought, you know, this is how yeah. you can get it horrible, you know, like mislead people. Yes. Oh, as soon as, as, soon as it goes into studio, then all of a sudden the client's saying, so is the is the logo actually going to be that, that size? That size? Is, and that colour, I don't think that colour's quite right. And, oh. Yeah, the more anyway. final it is. Yeah. But so we've sort of talked about the role of the advertiser in the client agency relationship, you know, that the need to be more honest and yep. open in their communication. What about the role of the agencies? Because while I read a lot of the trade press with agencies complaining about marketers and the demands of marketers and how they're not taken you know, seriously and they're treated like suppliers, what could agencies do from your perspective? Apart from saying no, you did say they yeah, should say no more often. I do, yeah, and I think agencies... Oh, I, hmm, what can they do better? Well, there's a, a line of thought out there that they should become more like consultancies, you know, that they should be more uh, consultative and, and come up with solutions and be less focused on the sort of production and implementation. Yeah, look, I think it's a chicken and egg situation, isn't it? If if a client isn't paying an agency to spend the hours and the time on the business, then an agency can't deliver that. And and we see that all the time with, again, going back to sort of some of the surveys we run and there's a, always a question on, you know, the, the teams are proactive and it's always one of the... Um, complaints of the client that the agencies aren't proactive but what ends up coming out in the workshops associated with those surveys is the agencies aren't paid <laughs> they're paid by the job yeah. so they're paid by the project so therefore to actually sit back once a week and spend two hours just going so how's the business going how how are sales going you know and to actually take the time to um, really get under the skin of the business and look at how an agency could impact a client's business, they're, they're, they're not actually being paid to do it. And if they're not being paid to do it, it's really difficult to, uh, to allocate resource to spend time on the client's business. Because the relationships become more transactional. Totally. Because of the way the yep. agency perceives they're paid. Yeah. It's interesting, but even under retainers, I've seen clients complain, especially we want to pitch our agency because they're not proactive enough. Yes. And then when you go and talk to the incumbent, they go, well, here's the 27 things in the last 12 months that were presented to the client that were proactive and they were all rejected because they don't have any budget for it. Yeah. And then you go back to the client and go, well, there was 27 proactive initiatives. Oh, yeah, but we don't have budget. 
So what do you actually mean by proactive? Because why demand proactivity if you're actually never going to support it with any sort of, oh, well, it it just shows us that they're really thinking about our business. No, no, they're thinking about your business. They're thinking about getting done the things that you've told them that you Mm. need done. Yeah. But if they do anything beyond that, it's futile. Yeah, totally. And I think the other, the other, well, certainly the onus is on the agency to make sure the fit um, of their team is is right with the client, and and that's where I've seen a few instances recently actually where agencies have really struggled to find the right people on the right piece of business. Now, what's the solution to that? Oh, I don't know. Um, one potential solution is to actually involve the client. So. Um, make sure first, I mean, if it's an existing relationship, obviously if there are issues, you need to fix them. But if, if an agency's hiring, involve the client. Mm. Let the client, you know, interview potential. So then it, it becomes Especially if a they're little... senior people yeah. that are going to be the main point of interface. Yes. And then, and then the client actually feels some responsibility that that person is working with them. Um, and I do think it, it does so often come back to relationship, though. The, the responsibility is on the agency to maintain the relationship. And I just think tiptoeing around a client who is either behaving badly or uh, not briefing correctly or treating a, a team member badly is just uh, completely unnecessary. It is the role of the agency to go in there and just ask them what the issue is and, and get to the bottom of it and fix it. It's just laziness not to. Isn't part of the problem also, and, and Michael Farmer, who's mm-hmm. chairman of Trinity P3 in the US, has got this terrific graph that shows that agency fees in the US mm-hmm. have decreased by 63% in real terms from 1995 to 2015, right? Isn't part of the problem that clients are paying a lot less than they were Yes, for agencies? They are. They're really... They're, yeah, and they expect so much more. I just, I you look at it, and I just sort of think, client clients just can't expect to get something for nothing. No one does, you know. I think actually, them uh, they need to pay for resources because how does it, how, otherwise how does an agency survive? But then I've had that conversation with marketers, and they go, well, if the agency's willing to do it for so much less. Why would I pay more? Are the agencies willing to do it for some Well, but they've accepted the, you know, in the negotiation or the, you know, and and I saw this a lot in 2007, 2008. Clients would phone us up and go, uh, global financial crisis, I need to slash my budget by 30%, 40%, 50%. Can you come and, and help us? And I'd say, yes, but there's a fee attached to it. And they go, it doesn't matter. And then I'd find out afterwards, they just turned to the agency and they said, we'll do your whole scope of work for 40% less. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So agencies have done that. Yeah. Aren't they complicit in actually devaluing? And and when I've spoken to agencies, they've said, oh, yeah, but we thought when the money came back, they'd pay us more. It doesn't no, work that it way. It doesn't work that way. It's Yeah, it's not going to work that way. Isn't that a lack of business understanding? It's a lack of business understanding. And I think, you know, and if agencies are doing it at the detriment of training their staff or um, paying their staff less, then, you know, relationships won't be maintained. It'll end up walking. Mm. It's the same with any 
kind of arrangement. There's, there will only be a certain amount of time that they can survive if they've cut their costs that much before. And then all of a sudden it creates um, negativity around that client because, of course, they're not making any money from that client. That client's a loss. So then all of a sudden they're trying to replace that client. It's like, well, as soon as we can get something else in that category, we'll just let that client go. It's just not healthy. Well, and we've seen you know, FMCGs, consumer packaged goods, whatever you want to call them, their budgets over the last 20 yeah. years have gone from, you know, they used to be the blue they, ribbon yeah, client. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, you know, the chicken feed yes. in most agencies. Yeah, it is. And yet they still have the same expectations that they had when they had multi-million dollar budgets and now they're turning up with a couple of hundred thousand yeah. for creative agencies. And so, you know, where does the alignment come from? When does the alignment of expectations occur if the agency is unable or unwilling to stand up and go, you know what, yep. X dollars buys you X, Y dollars buys you Y, not 2X, not 2Y or 3Y. Yeah. And that's where the really successful agencies will survive because they will stand up and they will have those conversations with clients and say, this is how much it costs us to service your business and this is what you will get as a result and we are the right team for you. And, and really good clients will pay the money. They will actually recognise the fact you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Well, you've run a lot of pitches with yep. us. Yep, yep. How many, in your experience, have been decided on price alone? None. Yeah. None. But, but we are very, very clear, as you well know, with clients that price is the absolute end game, that, that it's the actual end of the process. But we always ask a decision on an agency be made before we, re we actually reveal what we've done in terms of financial benchmarking. And then we discuss price. And if there are huge differences between two agencies and one is the preferred agency, we then work with that um, agency to bring their prices in line with benchmark. And I think that's the beauty of us having benchmarks. Or come benchmarks. up with a sustainable solution. Yeah. yeah. But that's the beauty of having benchmarks as well mm. because it's everyone loves a benchmark. Everyone loves to know, well, actually, this is the industry standard. We're not too far off it. Mm. Or, oh, we're so far under. And we will be, as you know, we are very honest with agencies that are under benchmark. And we say, actually, we think you need to up your resource here or up your rates, your hourly rates, because you're actually well below mm. benchmark. Especially if they're under-resourcing, because there's nothing yes. worse than you know, saying to a client, yeah, yeah, we can do it for X dollars, but you're really doing that on a proposal of having you know half the resources you actually need. That you actually need. Because yep. what all that means is you're going to overwork your resources. Yep. Or you'll be going cap in hand back to the client going, please, could I have some more? Yeah. You know, yeah. Because you un undercooked it. I, I've actually, um, and interestingly, uh, we've had, from my experience, two... Uh, pitches in the last 18 years where we we did the benchmarking but the negotiation was done by procurement mm -hmm. and in both cases they didn't go for the preferred agency they went for the cheapest agency yeah well, that's what right? procurement would do yep so what do you see as the biggest issues with procurement's involvement in marketing and what's what do you think is the biggest benefit they can bring to it um, I'll start with the benefit. Um, I think the biggest benefit they can bring to marketing is really having that financial 
nous and that financial knowledge and being the numbers people. I think that's invaluable, totally. Mm. And, and, you know, they've got, procurement will have a view on where the numbers across the business sit. They'll be very, very strong and and they will also bring a marketer who is getting carried away with the most glamorous creative agency in the world will bring them right back to earth if the numbers aren't stacking up. Um, I think the biggest detriment of having procurement involved is if they are allowed to run the pitch and if it is, uh, and if they are a key decision maker. I think I've run a lot of pitches, some really big, where procurement's been in the room, um, but at the end of the day, it's been marketing's decision as to which agency they're going to appoint based on strategic, creative and, and cultural alignment um, because that's going to lead to a long-term relationship. Um, you know, it's a bit like marrying the richest man in the world. Yeah, we'd all love it for a nanosecond, but is the relationship going to last? Probably not. Well, you never know. Might have. <laughs> hey. um, so I think certainly um, there's, uh, I'm witnessing a situation from afar at the moment where procurement's running a pitch. And it's, it's interesting when procurement, and I've seen this before, when procurement are actually leading the pitch um, management, it allows so little room for chemistry in the management of the process, whereby agencies aren't even called by their name. The emails are going out saying, dear agency. Yeah. And there isn't a real understanding of the importance of chemistry and culture, strategic alignment, creative alignment, all the things we value so highly when we run a pitch. Uh, when procurement runs it because at the end of the day procurement just want to get to a result that's what they've got a to-do list and they've got an end point and they've got a number that's the end point and that's where they want to get to so i've had that conversation many times with procurement and they say it's because their job is to make sure that everyone all of the agencies or suppliers and vendors as they like to call them are treated equally and they're concerned that our process in fact, they think it's a weakness of our process that some agencies could have a benefit over other agencies by building better and closer relationships with the client as part of the process. No, now, that's I actually, impossible. Well, I pointed out that they all get the same exposure. Totally. If they build a better relationship, it's because it's a better fit. Totally. They to do work. it within the um, boundaries of the meetings we allow. There's no direct contact when we run a pitch. It infers to me that a what they claim to be a pure procurement process totally lacks emotional intelligence, emotional yeah. quotient. You yeah. know, that, that, that somehow the emotion has to be completely removed yes. and that it's just a checklist of facts to actually select the yeah. right supply. And they're forgetting it's actually a relationship that they're pitching and relationships have a huge emotional component. Well, and especially even in, in a bus- even business relationships. Yeah, especially in marketing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting. So what what would you recommend it to improve if 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 there's a marketer listening to this, what is the one thing they could do to start building a better performing relationship with their clients? With their agencies. Oh, sorry, with their agencies. Yep. Um, The one thing they could do... If they only did one thing, I would suggest sitting down with their agencies and having a come-to-Jesus session. (laughs) 
and doing as that early regularly. as possible. And oh, we're definitely doing it regularly. But if they've never done one, do you know what? If there are any issues, get them on the table. Get them on the table and, and stop thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. It's amazing that, you know, the clients and agencies, they both do it. Um, they, they're always thinking that clients are always thinking, oh, you know, is this agency the best fit? They're always looking for issues rather than just actually, you know, one of the things we see is um, clients and agencies don't celebrate their success enough. So they do a project, tick, it's done, great, move on to the next one. They don't just stop and go, wow, we actually did a really good job. It had its little hiccups along the way, but aren't we awesome for doing this together? And here's what we learned from those. And here's what we learned. There's not enough of that happening. Um, And equally, agencies are constantly slagging off their clients. Well, don't. Just tell the client what the issue is. And, and move on with it. Just say, look, we've got issues here, here, and here. We don't feel like your briefs are comprehensive enough, so what we'd like to do is actually do a briefing session for two hours. I mean, it's amazing when you actually... Proactively manage pro- your clients. Yes, when you actually stand back. And again, that probably goes back, it goes back to all sorts of things, including time, because no one does seem to have as much time anymore um, to spend proactively doing things like that. But the invest, that little bit of investment of time will save you hours and money and heartache down the track. So yes, from a client's point of view, if there was one thing that they should do, it's actually getting everything on the table. And if they can't do it themselves, then get a third party to do it. Like us. Like us. <laughs> like evaluate. And, and that was the advertising component of today's podcast. <laughs> Evaluating.com.au. Um, Anita, we've run out of time, but thank you for uh, coming in and having a chat. You are very welcome, Darren. And one last question before yes. we go. Who is your best client that you've worked with? <gasps>